Happy Friday to you all. It's Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily med meditation and prayer around God's Word. I see you, uh, those of you who are live with us, uh, of course, Chris, Grace, Don, and Karen, Lori, Michael, good to have you both, Tim, and I, Gus and Eileen. Um, any of you who watch later in the day uh, or listen uh, to the podcast version, Grace to you and peace from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our uh, consideration today is actually the destruction of Sennacherib, king of Assyria's army, by Hezekiah. Um, there's a lot actually to cover, so we'll, we'll just get after it here. <clears throat> in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, let's say our memory verse together. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. All right, and our psalm this week is Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground, he has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore my spirit faints within me, my heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old, I meditate on all that you have done, I ponder the work of your hands, I stretch out my hands to you, my soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord, I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies, and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul, for in you I, try. I am your servant. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. First reading is continuation of St. Paul's uh, letter to the Church of Corinth. Now, chapter 4. On one second. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not working in or walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. But by, the, by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled... It is veiled to those who are perishing. What's my spot there? Yes, but whose minds the God of this age has blinded, 
who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who, gave, who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you, for all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. All right? I, I think you'll find some lovely uh, intersections between this text and uh, what we'll read in Second Chronicles 32 in a moment. Um, you might think that Hezekiah um, fought, or excuse me, um, that he spoke well of the Lord and and he asked of the Lord for deliverance simply because, um, you know, he wanted to be a prosperous king and he wanted wealth and health and, and uh, power and dominion. Uh, but that's not actually it. I think Hezekiah in faithfulness recognized that his kingdom um, is only a shadow or a, um, an antitype to the type which is Christ and his kingdom and his church, right? Much like we've talked about with marriage, right? Where marriage is uh, presented as a picture of Christ and the church, but it's Christ and the church, which is the goal, which is the culmination. Our marriages are uh, little pieces of heaven, uh, shadows of the light, all right? And we have the same idea here, you know, that we have this treasure that God is working um, to shine his light upon us, but it's in earthen vessels and it's in weakness and it's carried about in, in, through the death of Jesus. And the outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed, right? So our experience doesn't confirm um, the promise of what, um, of what is to come, right? But that doesn't mean that we lose faith or we lose hope or we lose our trust, right? Because the things uh, which we strive for are the eternal things and the things of this life we know are temporary. So whether we uh, live now or we die, we know that we are the Lord's. That's the key. All right. And so we, we're also not really utopian in a sense of looking to bring about some kind of perfect heaven on earth. Um, we think we already have that in the church. But again, through weakness, through suffering, through pain, through sinners gathered together um, in difficulty, um, but for the forgiveness of sins. All right. So it is a picture of heaven on earth, but um, heaven is not earth. <laughs> All right. Um, this, this, this earth has been consigned to destruction, but not until the whole number of the saved. Um, of the elect, I should say, the chosen of God are saved. Mm, hot coffee. All right. Speaking of, here's our reading from Second Chronicles chapter 32. After these deeds of faithfulness, 
Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah. He encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his leaders and commanders to stop the water from the springs, which were outside the city, and they helped him. Thus many people gathered together who stopped all the springs and the brook that ran through the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find such water, or much water? And he strengthened himself, built up all the wall that was broken, raised it up to the towers, and built another wall outside, as he repaired the Milo in the city of David, and made weapons and shields in abundance, and set military captains over the people, gathered them together to be in the open square of the city gate, and gave them encouragement, saying, Be strong and courageous, do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God, to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. After this, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, sent his servants to Jerusalem. But he and all the forces with him laid siege against Lachish, to Hezekiah, king of Judah, and to all Judah who were in Jerusalem, saying, Thus says King, we don't need a voice. (laughs) Thus says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, And what do you trust, that you remain under siege in Jerusalem? Does not Hezekiah persuade you to give yourselves over to die by famine and by thirst, saying, The Lord our God will deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria? I can't help but use a voice, sorry. (laughs) Has not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, You shall worship before one altar and burn incense on it? Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of other lands? Were the gods of the nations of those lands in any way to deliver their lands out of my hand? Who was there among all the gods of those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed that could deliver his people from my hand, that your God should be able to deliver you from my hand? Now, therefore, do not let Hezekiah deceive you or persuade you like this, and do not believe him. For no God of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people from my hand or the hand of my fathers. How much less will your God deliver you from my hand? Furthermore, his servant spoke against the Lord God and against his servant, Hezekiah. He also wrote letters to revile the Lord God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, As the gods of the nations of other lands have not delivered their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah will not deliver his people from my hand. Then they called out with a loud voice in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to frighten them and trouble them, that they might take the city. And they spoke against the God of Jerusalem as against the gods of the people of the earth, the work of men's hands. Now, because of this, King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried out to heaven. Then the Lord sent an angel to, who cut down every mighty man of valor leader, and captain in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned shamefaced to his own land. And when he had gone into the temple of his God, some of his own offspring struck him down with the sword there. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others, and guided them on every side. And many brought gifts to the Lord at Jerusalem, and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all nations thereafter. All right. All right. So uh, uh, maybe I haven't said this before, but it's worth uh, mentioning now. 
uh, we actually have received uh, what we know about um, all the events of today's text, not simply from um, not simply from Second Chronicles, but also from Second Kings. All right, and then also um, from um, Isaiah himself um, in, in the book of Isaiah. So I'll try to draw out some of the uh, unique features of the other accounts of these events uh, for you today. But we'll focus here on Chronicles. All right. Um, now, who was Sennacherib? What can you tell me about Sennacherib? That's right. He's the, the king of Assyria. Um, we've already talked about him before. He's the one that invaded um, Judah. Or excuse me, Israel. Had already conquered Israel. How did uh, Hezekiah and his men uh, prepare for battle, especially outside of Jerusalem? Well, they uh, blocked off the water from the springs outside the city and from the stream that flowed through the land, right? And what else did he do in preparation? Apparently, uh, Ahaz had not only neglected the temple, but had neglected the city walls. Um, sovereignty you know, of, of the nation here is key, right? Um, and can you have a sovereign nation if you don't have uh, walls <laughs> that are uh, well in well repair and that your borders are guarded? Uh, no. So, by the way, we're not a sovereign nation at the moment, as you can see from the southern border. All right. Um, so they, but that's not uh, that's not uh, Hezekiah. He rebuilds the wall, and then he builds a whole nother wall, an outer wall, uh, because undoubtedly the city had overflowed outside the, the inner wall, right? And then also he made a large number of weapons and shields. You can see that there in verse in verse 5. Um, I don't know what the Milo, it, what is the Milo in the city of David? Anybody know? Do you have a different translation of that? I don't. Um, yeah, I mean, it's only mentioned in Second. Well, it's mentioned in Second Samuel as well. And, and then in the book of Kings and the book of Chronicles, it seems to have been a rampart built by the Jebusites prior to Jerusalem's being conquered by the Israelites. The text also describes a Milo by Simon or Solomon and repaired by Hezekiah, without giving an explanation of exactly what the Mahilia, Mahilo, Milo uh, is. Therefore, uh, there is some, therefore, some debate among scholars as to what the specific nature of this thing is. The most common assumption among archaeologists and historians of ancient Israel is that the the mih, the amila, the milo, is a stepped stone structure uh, which was uncovered by Kathleen Kathleen Canyon um, somewhere between 1952 and 1958, and demonstrated by Elliot Mazar to be connected to the large stone structure, which he did. Okay, so it's a stepped stone structure on the house, on the wall, uh, outside the Kidron Valley, is the suggestion here. And there you go. All right. <laughs> Terraces. Yeah, there you go. Like a terrace. Um, and then um, notice what the king does. He gave them, look at verse six, gave them encouragement. But just like a big pep rally, a big pep talk, you know, who are we if we have nothing, right? You need to fight, fight for freedom. No. He says, be strong and courageous. How? In the Lord, right? Because who fights for us? The Lord fights the battles and gives us confidence, right? Here it is. They fight with an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God, his strong right arm. Who, of course, is Jesus Christ. That's the good news, right? Gospel. This is all gospel. Good news, right? No worries. God has us. All right. Um... I think it's Isaiah chapter 7 that uses this, uses the language of the arm of the Lord, right? Let's see here. 
Uh, this is to Ahaz and the Emmanuel prophecy. Is that right? No, God with us. Well, God is with us, Emmanuel, right? Uh, well, we have the hymn, of course, Christ sits at God's right hand. There's probably that language elsewhere, all right? Yeah, but again, we should think of Isaiah to Ahaz to Hezekiah's father, right? That the Lord is with us, right? And that's Hezekiah's confession here. Beautiful. Uh, now, what does Sennacherib ask um, everybody? Notice, it's yes, it's sent to Hezekiah, king of Judah, but who else? To all Judah and all in Jerusalem, right? So he, as I uh, posted on uh, Facebook a few minutes ago before our devotion, um, this is a propaganda campaign that Sennacherib wages. If you like, if you want to use today's terms, disinformation, misinformation, it's disinformation, right? Or whatever that means, I don't even know. Um, it's just fake fake news, I guess, is uh, Trump's definition. Now, who knows? Whatever. He, he taunts them, right? He says, in whom, or excuse me, in what, not whom, ha, in what do you trust that you remain under siege in Jerusalem, right? On what do you base your confidence? So confidence and trust. Very important. Um, we have whole sections in our hymnal um, that give us com- or for the sake of confidence and for sake of trust, right? I played you a hymn for confidence, um, Jesus Christ, uh, the victory, or wasn't that, how did it go? Jesus lives, the victories won, right? Which I love the way that, that hymn ends, every stanza. This shall be my confidence. This shall be my confidence. Jesus is my confidence, right? All right. And f- confidence always comes from faith. And faith is, another, is a synonym for trust, right? So there is actually a whole other section in here um, on trust. Now you can't see it because I got the light on, right? So what number is that? Uh, 732? Yeah, okay. Um, so think, like, our God, our help in ages past, have no fear, little flock, all depends on our possessing. Oh God, forsake me not. What is the world to me? How firm a foundation. I am trusting thee, Lord Jesus, right? Evening and morning, if God himself be for me, children of the Heavenly Father. You know these hymns. These are, these are some favorites, and I think this is the reason why. Lord of all hopefulness, rejoice my heart, be glad and sing. I am Jesus, little lamb, precious Lord, take my hand. Jesus Christ, my sure defense, right? Because um, it's exactly this question. In what do you trust? The better answer is in whom do we trust, right? In our Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he's going to show up here in a minute. Or maybe you didn't catch that. We'll see. All right. What, how did uh, Sennacherib then, or what is his very next statement actually, is he attacks God himself, right? The Lord, our God, will deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria. Did Hezekiah persuade you, right? So what is he calling? He's saying, he's saying, um, uh, your God is a liar, mm. and your king is lying on behalf of your God. Right? This is blasphemy. This is blasphemy. You think, um, this is one of the things that we've kind of missed, is that um, a lot of our warfare today is still, um, well, actually most of it, if not all of it, is religiously motivated. It may not be under the banner of, like, say, Christian, Muslim, Jew, or something like that, uh, but uh, the ideologies that people subscribe today, the, these belief systems... Um, there is much a uh, faith or a religion as any others. There's been some excellent um, podcasts on this topic. Actually, I actually have a book that's sitting here on my desk that I need to read that's on the topic. Believe it or not, um, Karl Marx, uh, a lot of the, the Marxist people after him, they speak a lot about faith and hope and confidence and trust and against God and against um, his son, Jesus Christ. They recognize that 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 it's not just a political movement, it's a religious movement. Mm. 
So don't let your kids grow up to be Marxist. All right. <laughs> um, what should the people have recalled, right? Because he's saying that they're going to die of famine and by thirst. I think the people of Israel, has, have had, Judah, you know, in specific, they have some experience with the doubt that God is going to provide food and water. Yeah, think about uh, uh, the Exodus, right? Exodus 15 um, through 17. Over and over, they had whined against God, saying that he was going to bring them out in the wilderness to die of thirst and of hunger, right? And God continued to provide for them, right? So this taunt is just as much uh, a taunt of unbelief as their own unbelief, um, their own father's unbelief before. Um, what did Sennacherib accuse Hezekiah in particular? Look at this, verse 12. There's so much in here. This is beautiful, though, just to see, you know, the assault here. Yeah, he's accusing Hezekiah of being a monotheist. Why did you get rid of all the other worship that was in your land? Maybe that would have protected you. You see, that's another angle of attack against the true God, making Judah too dependent on one God. Hmm. And then he's got many other charges here, verses 13 through 15. Um, no other God's nation, ultimately. It's kind of the summary here. None of the other nations' gods were able to deliver them from the Assyrians, which is actually kind of an implicit acknowledgement that all of their gods were powerless, ineffective, uh, a waste of time, you know, uh, or as we would say, dead, <laughs> fake um, idols. Okay. Um, how far did their attacks go? We have more attacks. Look at verses 18 through 19. They even called out in Hebrew, right? Having presumably learned some Hebrew, maybe, uh, I don't know, um, words that would be slanderous or mocking or um, curse words or uh, what we call swear words or dirty words or whatever. You know, trash talking, I guess, is what you'd say. Uh, but specifically against the God of Jerusalem and against, of course, all the false gods. Just like they had with all the other false gods, they did against the God of Jerusalem. All right? We've talked about this. You make God out to be your enemy. It does not go well for you. Maybe long-term, maybe short-term, right? So here... Um, they call out in prayer. Specifically, Hezekiah prays with Isaiah. Isaiah, all right? Uh, now, we don't have the prayer. It says they cried out to heaven, and then the Lord sent an angel, right? Um, but what was the prayer? The prayer is actually recorded for us actually in two different places. So in 2 Kings uh, 19? Yeah, there it is. And it's almost carbon copy of what you're gonna, what you, what's in Isaiah 37, all right, so we have almost the same thing in two different places. Um, I'm looking for Hezekiah's prayer here in Pacific. Yeah, here it goes. O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste to the nations in their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord God, I pray, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. Right? So save your people, not for your, our sake, but for your name's sake. See how that works? Right? This is what our prayer should be. You know, if we live or die, we are going to be with the Lord. But we ask that the Lord deliver us, protect us, preserve us for his name's sake, that his word would be preserved, that others would come to hear the gospel and be saved. All right. Then, actually, Isaiah, um, again, you can see this in 2 Kings 19, but also in Isaiah 37. It's almost carbon copy uh, from each other. 
Isaiah gives a prophecy, uh, and it's in the form of a poem um, against, well, for Hezekiah and against um, the king of Assyria. So hear, hear this. This is the answer of the Lord by way of Isaiah to um, Hezekiah. And of course, this is what's going to encourage Hezekiah, and then by virtue of that, encourage the nation. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with a shield, nor build a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return. He shall not come into this city, says the Lord, for I, first person singular, I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servants, David's sake. I will defend this city, right? How is he going to do it? He does it by way of the angel of the Lord, which we see here um, in Chronicles, all right? So this is unique to Chronicles, the angel of the Lord coming at night, right? And striking them all down. Um, this is Jesus. Uh, Pastor Riley and I, we've been talking on banned books, actually probably more offline about this um, in our recent episodes, just the way that we've um, neutered God, we've kind of made him um, not impotent. We still look to him for hope and for faith, but we think of him as being, oh, I don't know, like a tame lion, to quote uh, um, to quote, quote C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, right? Uh, where he says he's not a tame lion, but he's a good one, all right? And we, we've somehow tamed Jesus. We think of him, uh, we still think of him as good, but we don't think of him as actually bringing um, judgment upon his people. But we actually confess that even in the creed, right? He From thence, he will come, Jesus, to judge the living and the dead, right? This is the judgment against sin and unbelief by Jesus as he strikes them down, right? Uh, <laughs> makes me think of uh, that Johnny Cash song, uh, the Lord's going to cut you down. It's actually true, right? And we don't, we don't, need, um, we don't need to make Jesus nicer, um, but he is good. And this is, how he, this is what he does to our enemies. We actually pray for that in the Psalms, right? Didn't we say that before? Hold on, let's scroll up. Let's look here. Here's the end of the Psalm. Look, and in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies, or literally cut them in half, and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul, for I am your servant. That's our Jesus, right? As he did for faithful Hezekiah and for the people here in Judah, so he does for us. Hmm. Um, this should remind us, though, of the angel of the Lord, who had done the same to a previous set of enemies for, for Israel. Yeah, that would have been in Egypt on the t with the 10th plague, something that the Egyptians had never seen. And they, they didn't even believe their gods could do such a thing as strike down the firstborn, which he did, brought that destruction upon the Egyptians. All right. How many tr uh, troops died? It doesn't say here, does it? It says he's cut down every man of valor, leader, and captain in the camp. Now, let's go. I'm going to go back to 2 Kings and see here. 2 Kings, let's see if it tells us. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed the camp of the Assyrians, 185,000 in one night. And when the people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away, returned to his home and remained at Nineveh. Mm -hmm. um, um, and then I'll just read here from Second Kings since I'm there, but you can see it on the screen from uh, Second Chronicles. So now it came to pass, as he was worshiping in the temple of Nishrach, Nishrash, his god, that his sons, Adramelech and Sherezer, struck him down with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. Then Esarhaddon, his son, reigned in his place. All right? So his own sons killed him in the temple of his god, as he returned to his own land, shamefaced, disgraced. 
And of course, you can see what God did for Hezekiah, saved him so that the nations exalted him as king. Uh, Yes, but look, they brought many gifts to the Lord at Jerusalem. He is Lord of Lords, God of Gods. That's really the point, isn't it? God always wins. All right. While Sennacherib came to attack Jerusalem, his real challenge was, was to God. He claimed to be stronger than the God who created the heavens and the earth, head scratcher, much as Pharaoh had refused to let the people of Israel go. His boastfulness was an insult to the Lord God. Hezekiah's words, to be strong and courageous, were a reminder that God had already overthrown many nations to give the land to Judah and had promised to be with Judah for the sake of David. Hezekiah called upon the name of the Lord in trouble, and the Lord delivered him. The God, God judges the wickedness of unbelief with death, but gives life to those who live by faith. Yeah, Chris says, I wish I wished God would do this now. Yeah. Well, and I would argue that the reason he hasn't is because we aren't a nation that fears God. I just trust in him and looks to him for our every hope. Not our leaders and not the majority of our people. Um, that doesn't mean that the Lord won't do that for us, but maybe not now in this life and not in this nation. Um, uh, maybe, maybe I would say he already has, but we'll see how it plays out. He's already allowed this nation to be thrown into chaos and disorder and overthrow um, because of our rebellion against God and his word. I gave an example yesterday, right? You know, we have the three chief leaders of our nation, uh, federal government anyway, uh, my state government, same thing, our governor, um, who support the murder of children in the womb. They support murder, fifth commandment. They've gone against God's word. They promote um, adultery, right? They do not promote marriage. That's eighth commandment, or sixth commandment, right? No, eighth commandment, sixth, <laughs> sorry, sixth. Um, they promote um, lies about their neighbors. They actually lie openly about their neighbors, destroy their neighbor's reputation. They say it's just politics. Politicians who break the eighth commandment are forsaking God and God will bring judgment upon them. Sorry. Um, they openly steal. They take what is not theirs. Taxation is theft. Um, inflationary uh, uh, policies. That's a way of taking what the property that belongs to you through monetary policy. They do it openly. They don't even, they're not even ashamed about it. Seventh commandment. They covet what isn't theirs. Nord Stream 2, Ukraine. Not their, that's not their land. They're not responsible for it, you see? So at least the second table of the law, open and direct rebellion against God's word. I can give you more examples if you want. Um, so why would God deliver this land? It's calling us to repentance. And we don't want to listen as a, as a country. And he'll just heap more and more judgment upon us. Um, thankfully, some of us know his word and see it for what it is. Um, we can cry out, uh, Lord, save us. And maybe he will. Maybe he'll bring, bring uh, into our midst faithful rulers. Um, who will govern us according to God's word, right? Uh, we can pray for that. We don't need a Christian nation, but um, we surely could use some Christian rulers, all right? So regardless, there you are. I don't think he's going to do this for us now, um, but this is, a, I think even more so though, you want to recognize that, why does he tell this story? All scripture testifies of Christ. So this is a good question, Chris. Thank you for this. Um, all scripture testifies of Christ. Meaning even if this doesn't happen to us now, um, as Paul said in these, what do you call it? Uh, earthen vessels, the excellence of the power of God may not be in us. We're hard pressed on every side. Look, I mean, this is Paul's lament, right? We're not destroyed. We're always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that Jesus, the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body, right? So ultimately, 
The only kingdom that will last into eternity, the only king who will reign forever is Christ. And that kingdom um, is the kingdom of heaven, which we now have in part in the church and will have thereafter um, in the resurrection. All right. So even though we could pray for this and it would be a lovely gift to us, we should pray for it. Um, if the Lord doesn't give us, we have a greater treasure that awaits us, a true kingdom with under a king who's already actually given himself for us in every, in every way uh, with his very body and with his life um, so that we would live forever with him. Right? So no matter how you look at it, it's, uh, um, it's an incomplete picture here. Hezekiah's kingdom didn't last either. All right. Did we read all? Did I read my summary? No. While Sennacherib came to attack Jerusalem, his real challenge was God. He claimed to be stronger than the God who created the heavens and the earth. Oh yeah, we read this. <laughs> like, why did I read that? Hezekiah called upon the name of the Lord in trouble and the Lord delivered him. God judges the wickedness of unbelief with death, but gives life to those who live by faith. There's the key. All right. And speaking of life out of death, it's the gift of baptism, is it not? So what does such baptizing with water indicate? It indicates that the old Adam and us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, and that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Where is this written? St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised through the dead, from the dead, through the glory of God the Father, we too may live a new life. We pray the collect. Almighty and everlasting God, mercifully look upon our infirmities and stretch forth the hand of your majesty to heal and defend us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for its spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted, and for the sick and dying. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray this day with Julie and Larissa, uh, who celebrate their baptism. We pray with Larissa, who also celebrates her birthday. We pray for the households of our church, especially Aaron, Ruth, um, Kevin and Kim, Eric, Jennifer, Dolores. We pray for those ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially um, Marcella, Bev, Kelsey, Frank, Amanda, Dan, Timothy, and Janice, Colin, Ken, Norm, Sandy, Kathy, Jim, Jim, and Elaine. And Mike, pray for our homebound, Willis, Mickey, and Paul. Pray for the missions and mercy work for the church, especially kindred heart families. We ask the Lord um, to care for all pastors and hearers of his word. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. I don't believe we have a commemoration for today. No. All right. We pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things, let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, let's sing our hymn. Find it here. There we are.
to have you with us here today. For the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Come to you each morning at 9 a.m. And uh, tomorrow will be uh, our preparation for Sunday. It was about, it was class question, I should say, in Bible class last Sunday. How can I prepare uh, to better hear God's Word uh, on Sunday? Maybe uh, the suggestion was that I give you like an introduction before every reading, um, which is just kind of a shallow way to do it, right? Because uh, it probably only focuses on one detail, maybe doesn't tell you a whole lot. Um, a better thing to do would actually be to join us for the Congregation of Prayer tomorrow morning when uh, we'll talk and meditate upon the Old Testament and the Epistle readings so that you're more familiar with them. All right, so do do that as well, uh, and that will prepare us for Sunday's text, which is a lovely text, um, which is uh, Jesus stilling the storm. Jesus stilling the storm and uh, his encouragement to us to not fear. All right, so we're going to talk a lot about fear on Sunday, all right, and how our fear is misplaced. We fear that which we shouldn't, rather than fearing the one whom we should. Mm, we'll talk about that. Okay, so join us tomorrow morning, and uh, otherwise, we'll see you uh, Sunday at 9.30 for divine service. Lord be with you all, and give you his peace.